Hey, this is Minta, and you're listening to Mint, the podcast equipping you to run the race of faith well. I like to say that we meet at the intersection of real life and the Word of God. Together, let's find practical ways we can grow stronger in our faith, live according to truth, and love those around us. I love hearing from you. So if you've been impacted by the show or have a question or just need prayer, please drop me an email at the address listed in the show notes. Mint is listener supported, and we would be so honored if you would consider making a donation to help keep us on the airwaves. All donations are tax deductible. Simply head to our website for more details, www.amintageisler.com. Let's do this faith journey together. Well, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here, and I can't even believe we are to the last episode of season three in our series Walk With Me. In all season, we have been talking about the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through Matthew 7, and how Jesus just laid out an incredible blueprint for how we are to live. And now today, we are going to dive into Matthew 10, and we're going to look at an example that Jesus gave for his disciples, for how they could live out the principles that they learned in his teaching in the world around us. And I just think it's such a great call for us as well, a great inspirational call for us as we walk forward in our faith in a very practical way. So I'm excited for today and the call to being courageous that it is. And so I'm going to invite you to be courageous with me and to keep listening. We're going to hear what Jesus has to say. Let's start with prayer. God, I just thank you so much for who you are. And I thank you for the power of your word. God, I just pray that today you'd give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, and hearts that are courageous enough to walk out what you have been speaking to us. Make us more like you. Give us eternal vision, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, the Sermon on the Mount, I hope you found to have fruit in your life, that as the principles you've learned, as you've been applying those, that you have seen the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in your life, pouring out. And I just wanted to today, before we end, give us a good practical example of how we walk this out, right? And what this looks like in everyday life, because as I was contemplating the Sermon on the Mount and living according to those godly righteousness principles, the one thing I kept coming back to is, wow, are we going to look different? If we live according to this sermon and we live with godly righteousness, we're going to look so different than the world. And in a world that is increasingly hostile to truth, to the absolute truth of God's word, and that is increasingly persecuting people of faith, those who believe in Jesus and stand on the principles of the Bible, the world's increasingly hostile. To those of us that are going to live this way, we are going to face persecution. We are going to face hard times. Jesus promised it in the very beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. Hey, if you live this way, if you live with godly righteousness, you will face persecution. But don't you worry, children, because the kingdom of heaven is yours. But see, he promised it to us. And I know, and and I've shared with you, that my family has already experienced that persecution in different ways. You know, my husband has been very bold about his faith, and that has affected his career at times. And if you don't know that story, you can head back to season one and check out those, those sessions. But 
Uh, my kids for walking out their faith at school and at college have faced persecution. And, and, and I've had people come after me. And so when we live according to the principles of the Sermon on the Mount, when we live like Jesus, we're going to face persecution like Jesus does. And today is a call to courage for us to persist even still. And I just think it's so neat how Jesus prepared his disciples for this. And, you know, when when we hear about the disciples and how after Jesus rose from the cross and then he ascended into heaven and the disciples went out and spread the gospel, most of them ended their lives giving up their life for the sake of the gospel. And now I'm not sure that our lives are going to end that way. I do know that we are going to face persecution. And so I want to pay attention to how Jesus prepared his disciples and what he said to them and how he empowered them to walk out this mission that he's put us on. So we're going to read Matthew 10 today, and it's a lot of scripture, but it's really good. And I believe that it can be really powerful for encouraging us to be courageous and to live this way, even though the rest of the world isn't living this way. And even though we might take some slack and take some persecution and take some mocking and be left out because we live this way, but that we would be courageous enough to do it anyway. So Matthew 10 starts with Jesus. It says that he called his 12 disciples together and he gave them authority to cast out evil spirits and to heal every kind of disease and illness. And here are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, and then Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Thomas, Matthew, James, Thaddeus, Simon, and Judas Iscariot. And Jesus sent out the 12 disciples with these instructions. Did you know that? Did you know that Jesus gave them a trial run before he died and rose again and sent them out? He gave them a trial run. They had a practice (laughs) so that they could see for themselves what it was going to be like. They could see for themselves how hard it was going to be so that they could be better prepared for the real thing. So I think it's so important that we too practice and that we get ready and we prepare and we take steps to prepare, knowing it's coming so that when when the time comes, we're ready. So it says, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles with these instructions. Don't go to the Gentiles or Samaritans, but only go to the people of Israel, God's lost sheep. Go and announce to them the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you've received. Don't take any money in your money belts. No silver, no gold, not even copper coins. Don't carry a traveler's bag with a change of clothes and sandals or even a walking stick. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve to be fed. I'm going to pause here. Whoa, Jesus, this is kind of a tough call. Hey, go out, preach the gospel. Don't even bring food or clothing. Really, Jesus, like I can't even bring a carry on with like my favorite snacks and my good sweatshirt that makes me feel better at night. Like, really, you don't want me to take anything when I go. But this is actually in reference to the Sermon on the Mount, because in Matthew 6, when Jesus is talking about money, he says what? Don't you worry about what you're going to eat. Don't you worry about your clothing because I provide for the birds and I I make the lilies. And if I provide for them, I'm going to provide for you. And Jesus is saying, hey, disciples, if you really trust me, if your heart is fully devoted to me, you're going to trust me on this, that I'm your source, not the world. You're going to trust me on this, that you don't need to store up your treasures on earth. You can leave actually without any food or any clothing, and I'm going to provide all you need for what I've called you to do. He's testing them on it, 
right? This is directly out of the Sermon on the Mount. And then he says, whenever you enter a city or a village, search for a worthy person. Stay in his home until you leave town. And when you enter the home, give it your blessing. And if it turns out to be a worthy home, let your blessing stand. And if not, take back the blessing. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to your message, shake its dust from your feet as you leave. And I tell you the truth, the wicked cities of Sodom and Gomorrah will be better off than such a town on the judgment day. Look, I'm sending you out as sheep among wolves. And that was also in the Sermon on the Mount, right? And chapter 7, as Jesus was talking about false teachers and false prophets. So be shrewd as snakes and harmless as doves. But beware, for you will be handed over to the courts. You will be flogged with whips in synagogues. You will stand trial before governors and kings because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell the rulers and the other unbelievers about me. When you're arrested, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time, for it's not you who will be speaking. It will be the spirit of your father speaking truth through you. See, and Jesus talks about in the Beatitudes, persecution. We are going to be persecuted. You'll face it. And here he's saying, it's coming. You can expect it. This isn't out of my realm I'm still over this. I'm telling you, though, it's going to happen. It's coming. You better be prepared and don't worry about it because I'm going to be with you when you face it. And I will give you the words to say, but it's coming. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. Children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. All the nations will hate you because you're my followers. But everyone who endures to the end will be saved. When you're persecuted... In one town, flee to the next. And I tell you the truth, the Son of Man will return before you've reached all the towns of Israel. Students are not greater than their teacher. Slaves are not greater than their master. Students are to be like their teacher, and slaves are to be like their master. And since I, the master of the household, have been called the prince of demons, the members of my household will be called by even worse names. And then Jesus gives us this call to courage, right? After saying, I didn't escape this persecution. You're not going to either. He gives us a call. He says, but don't be afraid of those who threaten you. For the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that is secret will be made known to all. What I tell you now in the darkness, shout abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, shout from the housetops for all to hear. Don't be afraid, he says it again, of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. What is the price of two sparrows, one copper coin? Not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered, so don't be afraid. You're more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. Anyone who acknowledges me publicly here on earth... I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven, but anyone who denies me on earth, I will deny before my Father in heaven. Don't imagine I came to bring peace to the earth. I came not to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Your enemies will be right in your own household. If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or your daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you refuse to take up your cross and follow me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for me, you'll find it. 
Anyone who receives you receives me, and anyone who receives me receives the Father who sent me. If you receive a prophet as one who speaks for God, you'll be given the same reward as a prophet. If you receive righteous people because of their righteousness, you'll be given a reward like theirs. And if you give even a cup of cold water to the very least of one of my followers, you will be rewarded. Well, let's unpack this a little bit. See, Jesus is telling us here, you don't need to be afraid. Living out godly righteousness in the world around you when you are going to stick out like a sore thumb, when people are not going to appreciate when you speak truth, they're not going to like what you have to say or how you live or how they then feel convicted when they're around you. They're not going to like that, but you don't need to be afraid. I want you to be courageous. That's his call. That's why he's encouraging the disciples here. He's saying, I'm going to send you out and the, the fear is going to be that you're not going to like how you're treated, but don't you worry about it. I know that already. I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to be hard. You're not going to fit in. They're not going to like you. I want you to be courageous and walk this out anyway. And here's the five reasons why that he gives us in the text. Here's why you can be courageous, my friends, because this still stands true for us. Here's why you can be courageous and live a godly right life and stand up for truth in a world that is hostile to you and won't respond well. He gives us reasons why. Because it's so important that we fear God before we fear man. And that we don't give up just because it's hard or we face a little resistance or because people don't like what we have to say or how it makes them feel. But he gives us five reasons. And so we're going to talk about those right now. The first one is this, and it's in that first paragraph I read, starting in verse 24. Man, when we are persecuted, we're like Christ. That makes us like him. We're in good company. When you experience persecution, you're actually experiencing what Christ experienced. That means you are being like him. And as believers, isn't that our goal? We want to be more like Christ. We want to be transformed into his image and He's saying here, man, when you're persecuted, you're like me. You're doing it right. You will not escape it because I have not escaped it. And I don't know about you, but I want to be like Jesus. So that's the one reason we, one, number one reason we don't need to be afraid is that makes us like Jesus. How awesome is that? I can think of no higher compliment. And then Jesus says, Don't be afraid of those who threaten you for the time is coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that secret will be made known. The second reason we don't need to fear and that we can be courageous is that God will vindicate truth. One day God will vindicate truth and what is secret will be made known and what is dark will be brought to light and the true heart, the true followers, they will be revealed. They will stand before God and he will say, well done, faithful servant. So when people make fun of you now, when they mock you now, when they call you intolerant, when they call you unloving, when they call you old fashioned, when they make fun of your beliefs, when they tell you that you're not being loving and when you hold the truth and you're mocked for it or you're hated for it, God's saying, don't you worry because the time is coming when the truth will be made known and honey, you will stand in the light and everybody will see that what you held to was truth and I'm going to make it right. So that's the second reason we don't need to fear because man and humanity in the world judging us and telling us doesn't mean anything. God gets to be the final judge. He's going to vindicate truth. He 
will let all that is secret be made known. And so we don't need to fear that. Number three, it says, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear only God who can destroy both, right? So often we spend time worrying about, well, I don't, I don't want to be injured. I don't, I'm, you worry about your earthly body. And what God's saying is, man, don't even worry about that. If you are living and seeking my kingdom first and living according to godly righteousness and storing your treasures in heaven, you have eternal vision and nothing that anybody does to you here on earth. No amount of persecution, no amount of torture. They can't even, even when they kill you, they can't take your eternity. What really matters can't be stolen from you. So even if you're persecuted, even if you lose friends, even if you lose respect at work, even if you lose family members, if you lose your body even, if you give yourself up as a martyr for the sake of the gospel, they cannot steal from you what really matters, and that's your eternity. So really, what do you have to lose? They can't take from you anything that matters in eternity. And this is, I know, radical thinking because most of us aren't, we don't want to die. (laughs) We're not excited about that. Some of us are. But it is a comfort to us knowing that no matter what happens or how we're treated or how we're ostracized or even hurt here on earth, they can't take away the one thing that really matters. So we don't need to fear it. The fourth thing comes in verse 30. And it says that the very hairs on your head are numbered and we are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. And now why is this a reason? It's because this, Jesus is close to you. When you're persecuted, we don't have to fear it. He's with us. I mean, think about it. How close do you have to be to somebody to know the number of hairs on their head? You got to be right there touching them, counting the hairs right there. See, we are so precious to God. We're so valuable to him. He is, the the Psalms tell us over and over, he's hiding us in the shelter of his wing. Like we are tucked right up inside there. He's holding us close. Psalm 139 says that all of our days have already been written in his book. He knows the hairs on our head and he has so many thoughts about us that are precious that we can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. We're so valuable to God. You're so precious to him. You mean so much to him. When you go through persecution, he's with you and it is not in vain. There's a purpose to it because he would not subject somebody who's so precious to him. He would not subject them to hardship and torture and pain if it wasn't for good reason to accomplish his purpose and his glory. So you don't need to fear it because God has got you tucked into his wing and he's with you and he's using it for a purpose. He is close to you. You are not separated from him. You cannot be driven apart from him. They cannot take you out of that position of safe holding tucked in the wing because you're so precious to him that nothing that the world does to you can change your position with him and your value with him. You're right there. And how wonderful is that thought? I love that that word picture of being tucked in so close to God that he's with me and he would never let anything happen to me that didn't serve the best purpose for him and for my life. So we can take comfort in that and not fear what anybody does to us or says to us. And number five, 
it says that not a single sparrow, this is verse 29, not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without the Father knowing it. And what I want to point out here is God is sovereign. There is nothing that happens that he isn't in charge of it and in control of it and he didn't allow it. See, he holds the whole world in his hands. He created it all. He is the God who always was and who always will be and he knows everything and he is holding it all together and it doesn't happen unless he's not in charge of it. And we read the whole Bible and we get to the end and you know what it says in Revelation? He wins. He wins. There is nothing more powerful than him. Nothing can usurp his power or his throne from him. He's holding it all together. So we don't need to fear the persecution or the enemy because he will not have his way with us in the end. God is holding all of it in his sovereign hands. And anything that he allows to happen in, his, in our lives, we can trust because he's got it. And this is just such a beautiful last point of like, we don't need to fear anything here on earth because God is in control and he wins. And when we are his, we have all those promises as his children. And the last just couple verses of chapter 10, and then we're done, I think are just so interesting. Verses 37 through 42, and it talks about if you love your father or your mother more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. If you love your son or daughter, you're not worthy. And this just speaks to, to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 33, seek the kingdom first. It seeks to what do you love the most? What do you live for? What do you love more than anything? Is it God or is it your family? Is it God? Is it the things of this world? Are you willing to forsake all else for him? Do you love him more than anything? That is the real, it is so pivotal in your faith journey when you get to that point where you're so sold out that you're like, I literally fear nothing about this journey anymore. The good, the bad, the ugly, the hard, the horrible. I fear nothing because I'm so sold out for him. I'm seeking his kingdom. I'm seeking his righteousness that I have no fear of anything around me. And I am willing to walk forward no matter what it costs me. That is the most radical place to be, but it is the best place to be. And friends, God knows it isn't easy. God knows it isn't easy when you are put in situations where you have to choose between following him in his truth or a relationship that means a lot to you. God knows that when you choose to stand for what's right and you protect your kids and you lose a friendship or, or you lose a family member, maybe because they're so mad at you for your stance, God sees your heart and he, he sees your obedience and he knows what it's costing he's saying, I am with you and I love you and it's going to be worth it. We talked about that in the last session, right? It's worth it. Love the people around you, but don't be afraid and do not compromise my truth. Love me so much that you would forsake anything in your life for me. And you might be sitting at home thinking, this is a little too much for me. And so this is a whole little radical. 
Like, I like when you're practical. That's really good. Minta, this is like a lot and you don't understand. Like, I love, um, I love the people in my life. I don't want to lose them. I, I, I love the things in my life. I don't want to lose them. And I don't know what God's calling you to. He might not be calling you to give up a relationship or give up your stuff. But but what I am saying is what my challenge is, what my encouragement is, is you make sure that the Lord is on the throne of your heart and that you're seeking him above all else and that you are willing to live that way. And then you really will have nothing to fear. And I know that this is not an easy call. And I have dear friends that are having to walk out this in such a horrible and painful way but just to encourage them that you are doing good work here that seeking him and holding to his truth while still trying to love those around you is the best work that you can do but it's to put him first And isn't that such a powerful call on our lives? Isn't that so, it's convicting to me. Am I willing to forsake everything? Am I willing to endure all persecution? (laughs) Am I willing to forsake everything that the world tells me, all the worldly comforts to pursue him? Man, I hope so. I want to be that person. I want to be so called up so sold out, so set apart. I want him to be my first love. And I'm going to turn to Matthew 13, verses 44 to 46, and it's the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field, and in his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered the pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. Do we see our relationship with God is so valuable that we're willing to give up whatever we have to give up in order to pursue it? I want to be found faithful on that day. You know, and Jesus was saying this to his disciples because he knew that a day was coming when they were going to have to choose. Are you seeking me? Are you seeking yourself? Are you living righteously? Are you living according to self-righteous? Are you sold out for my will? Are you doing your own will? Because the day is coming when you're going to have to decide. And we see it in Matthew 16, verse 24. Jesus says to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is there anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and judge people according to their deeds. See, this is our call. This was Jesus' call to his disciples to pick up a cross and follow, no matter the cost. And he gave them a blueprint for how to do it in the Sermon on the Mount. He said, live this way. Do this, go out there with courage. Now he's saying in Matthew 10, with courage and do this. And the reward of heaven is yours. And friends, that call is the same for us. 
to forsake everything, Matthew 6, 33, to seek the kingdom of God first and live righteously, to take up our cross every day and choose him in godly righteousness and walk with him into eternity. This is what it looks like to walk with Jesus. It's not easy. And that's why the last section of the Sermon on the Mount is filled with language like the road is wide, but the gate is narrow and many will will try to enter, but few will. Because this isn't easy. But if we will pursue it with everything we have, one day the reward will be ours and it will be so good. And we don't need to fear. You don't need to fear, friend, because when you begin to live this way, it will be difficult and it will be hard for some to understand and it will cause persecution and it will cause friction and it will cause hard things in your relationship, but it's going to be worth it. And Jesus is saying, don't give up. Don't cast it aside. Don't live in fear. Live this way boldly because I'm with you and I'm sovereign over everything and I've got you close to me and you will look like me and one day the truth will be made known and it will all be worth it. You can do it. And friends, I believe that Jesus is calling us to walk with him so that we can be salt and light in a world that desperately needs it. And if we can have the courage to live this way, we will impact others for the kingdom for eternity because they will want to know what is different about us and their hearts will resonate with the mercy and the purity and the peacemaking and the love and the forgiveness that is flowing out of us. They will want that. And we can be part of the kingdom story for those around us. We can store up treasures in heaven. That's people. We can take them with us if we will have the courage to live this way. And I don't know where you're at in your faith journey, but I do know that God has put you in that place for a purpose so that you can be salt and light to the people around you, whether it's to your children, whether it's to your neighbors, whether it's to your coworkers. And I want to leave you this season with just an encouragement to take what you've learned in the Sermon on the Mount and take courage, my friends, and take a step out in faith. And whether that looks like forgiving somebody that you haven't forgiven for a long time, whether it looks like making a meal for your neighbor that you know you have different political views then because the signs in their yard don't match the signs in your yard, whether it looks like choosing not to judge the people around you that are making different decisions, or maybe it looks like you choosing to be faithful with your finances, or it looks like you tithing for the first time, or it looks like you choosing absolute truth and discernment in the face of a world that will call you intolerant or unloving or old-fashioned. I just want to encourage you to be courageous and take a step of faith and be salt and light because you're walking with Jesus. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for who you are. I thank you for the power of your word. I thank you for this blueprint that you've given us for how we can live. And just God, that you promise that if we seek you and we seek your kingdom, we will find you and that you will do the work of filling us up with godly righteousness so that we can love the people around us. God, make us courageous. Make us courageous like the disciples that we would have no fear and that we would leave here and we would go out into the world And we would share 
what we've learned and who you are with them. Lord, we humbly ask to be salt and light to those around us. Help us know how to love well and give us the strength to be bold and to be brave, even if the world doesn't receive us well. God, we thank you for this invitation to walk with you. And Lord, will you just give us what we need for the journey? Fill us with your spirit so that we can walk out the principles that we have learned this season from the Sermon on the Mount. God, we thank you in advance for your fulfillment of all of your promises. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Mint, the podcast dedicated to making spiritual things practical. If you want more information about Mint or Reckless Abandoned Ministries, you can just head to our website at www.amintageisler.com for more information.